Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Hall T. Martin about how to raise funding for new startups. Paul Martin, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me, John. It is a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from Austin, Texas. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about raising funds for new startups. This is where your expertise comes in. I really take I really appreciate you taking the time to share your insights with me and my listeners today. As we get started, I wanted to share Hall's bio with everybody. Hall Martin is the founder and CEO of 10 Capital and host of the Investor Connect podcast program. He launched the firm as the Texas Entrepreneur Networks in 2009. And today, 10 Capital has over 15,000 investors in its network and has helped startups raise over $900 million. He serves as the vice chair of the Baylor Angel Network. He previously Previously led the Central Texas Angel Network as its first executive director. And really, I could go on and on and on, uh, but clearly you ha- you're, you're an expert in this area. It's a pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to highlight about your professional background or just to share with listeners um, about your personal background before we get started? Sure. I'm an early stage guy. I worked for a company that I started in the early stage, but when it got to be very big, realized I wanted to get back to the early stage. My background is I started three angel networks in Texas back in the 2000s. And then after that, started my current company under the name Texas Entrepreneurs Network. And we were at heart helping startups in Texas raise money from angel investors. And then over the years, started adding more venture capital funds from 2010 to 15. I was going either to the Bay Area, to New York to find more VC. VCs and today the VCs are everywhere, but back then that's where they were. And then 2016, 17, we had a whole bunch of family offices come into our network because they wanted to do the deals direct. And then we decided to go national with our program back in about 2017 because because we were getting calls from people in Seattle, Chicago, and other places saying, "Well, I've talked to everybody in my city. Now what? Okay, well we'll take you out to the rest of the country." So that's a brief history of how we got to where we are today. So many of my listeners work in corporations as middle managers all the way on up through executive level types of positions, but there are plenty that are also entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, or contemplating perhaps starting their own business. Uh, and of course, how you're going to fund it is always the big question mark, right? Uh, you can have a really great idea. Uh, you can have a really good uh, process for taking it to market and for uh, getting 
you know, adding value to the market and, and providing a really great product or service, but it takes investment uh, most of the time. Certainly some people are able to bootstrap their way to success. Uh, but if you want to, to grow and scale quickly and, 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 you know, get out in front of the competition, it, it takes investment. Uh, and so I really appreciate you taking the time to walk us through what this looks like, because my mm-hmm. guess is the vast majority of my listeners aren't super familiar with this process. So why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about, um, from your experience, what percent of startups actually receive funding from angel or venture capitalists uh, versus say, you know, uh, just a a small business loan or something like that as they're just trying to get started? Sure. Well, the numbers indicate that uh, only about 15% of startups actually get venture funding. And we'll put angels and VCs kind of in the same category. And the rest have to go out and get a loan from family, friends, or SBA, or what have you. So, you know, there's businesses, and then there's venture businesses. And venture businesses are growing fast. They're in hot sectors. They've got a great team. And so not every business is a venture business. But that's why only 15% actually get that money at the end of the day. Yeah. And in your opinion, from those that are venture businesses, do do most of those actively seek and receive some sort of funding or what percentage would you say uh, within that subset? Oh, only about 10% actually get the funding at the end of the day. The key is you have to demonstrate market validation and product validation. The product works and people will pay for it. And in the bootstrap early phase, that that can be a challenge to do. Mm -hmm. So at heart, you have to bring a little bit of your own money to the table or family and friends money to the table to actually demonstrate that. And what most people get wrong is they think, well, I have to demonstrate big revenue. Uh, Can or can I not do that? And that's not really the the goal here. The goal is to show that people will pay for your product and they they like what they have going. And so you want to scope out a a minimum viable product, an MVP. And the the number one mistake people make is they scope an MVP that's way too broad, it's too big. Mm -hmm. It's great to have a vision for your company, but the mistake is to think you're going to have that vision on day one. It's going to take many years to get to that vision. I worked for a company for 24 years before I came here. And I remember when they they started having those MVPs and that vision. And I can say they actually got there 27 years later. So the bigger (laughs) the vision, the longer it will take you to get there. And so scoping out a minimum viable product, what you're looking for are the easy wins, the simple Mm. things you can do, because you want to be able to go back to your investor and say, the customers are happy with what we're building. In fact, the best thing to do is before you even build a product, go to your investor and say, we're talking to these customers about this problem that they're having. And then go back and say, we have proposed a solution and they like it. And then we go back and say, they've actually given us $50,000 to build it. This is the story investors want to hear is you're actually building a product with customers engaged in the process. 99% though, do it the other way. They say, I have a vision. I have a plan. I'm building a product and I just know it's going to be great. Well, there, there's no customer in that story. And that's when investors start getting nervous about this process is where, where are the customers, you know, if we build it, they will come is a, is a very scary thought in their mind. So you want to get customers in there. And every time you talk to an investor, bring up the customer and show how you're engaging with them and how they're validating what you're doing and they're supporting what you're doing. I've had many people come to me and they basically say, you know, back home, you know, I'm here in Austin. So we get a lot of people from around the country coming here, raising funding. And some start the conversation literally with, well, I didn't put any money in. My family didn't put any money in. None of my friends invested. No one would buy the product. But how about you? Would you like to invest? 
Well, no, <laughs> there's, there's no validation in the story. There's no support. So that's what we need to do is, is get that yeah. validation going and show that way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I, I'm chuckling as you're describing this because I, I've had those. Con- now, I'm, I'm certainly not a uh, an investor, an angel investor, or anything like that. Uh, I, I've done my own entrepreneurial work over the years, but I talk with lots of people and I've heard this story again and again and again. And so I can't help but chuckle because <laughs> I, I, I do hear that consistently. And, you know, you got to hand it to someone who's willing to step out there and take a leap of faith you know, and, and, and have faith in themselves, in their ideas, in some new product or service innovation that they have come up with, you know, that's, that's a bold thing to do. And I, and I applaud people for doing that, but don't, don't get fooled by thinking you figured out your mission, your vision, and really what your final product is going to be from the very beginning. And I, and I think that's what many um, new entrepreneurs get stuck in because they're smart they're, they're courageous. You know, they, they have a lot of skills. They, they, they have a great idea. Well, that's wonderful. Um, but it's one thing to have that initial idea to see it, then how it's going to morph over time as you actually inter- interact with customers. And then it's an entirely different thing altogether. As you start to scale a business, that's, that's starting to be successful, adding in the people component, having complex teams and, and systems and all that kind of stuff. It's just a, a totally different beast. And so it, it really does take a lot of di- you know, different skill sets and capabilities for entrepreneurs uh, and startups to, to really be successful. You just highlighted several of them. And, and you said um, 10% of venture firms are actually successful at getting um, that investment. That's a really small percentage. And so it, it raises the question, what are startups failing to do, you know, in, in their efforts to get funding? And you just identified, I think, some of them, but are there other elements uh that are really essential early on as you're trying to, to make the case to investors when you're at that stage trying to raise funds. I think building a relationship is a part of it. You know, is you know, we're putting a fair amount of money on the table for these deals and no one's giving you money unless they really know who you are. And part of the process of raising funding is to build that relationship, demonstrate your experience, demonstrate you follow up, you have milestones. One of the techniques I've heard is the, I'm not raising, but in six months I will be. Can I keep you informed of our progress? And then every month, send a short update about how you're doing. And that demonstrates you're following up. You're making progress on sales team and product and fundraise. And when the time comes to raise funding, they're educated about the deal. And so every investor has to pull back multiple layers of the onion to get to the heart of it. Each interaction pulls back one layer. And so if you can start that process sooner, that that helps you a lot because now they're up to speed with the market, the industry, why you're doing what you're doing, who you are. And you're getting those touch points in. They say it takes seven touches to close a sale. So it takes seven touches to close an investor. So at some point, you have to put those touch points in. And the the, the lack of follow-up is what gets most people. They just never go back to close the loop. Just the tenacity of it all, right? And, and being willing to go back and back and back and to close that loop and to, ha- to continue to follow up is important. And to 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 walk that tightrope of like not being like annoying and obnoxious but doing it in a professional way and just making sure that you're keeping people up 
to date and up to speed with what you're trying to accomplish. It's just super important and, and you just have to be able to do it. And like you said, building relationships, go figure that in business, uh, building relationships uh, is going to be really important. Uh, and, and with investors, it's, it's just as important as it is with any other aspect of business. Um, so, so that's really, really essential. Um, now you also mentioned you've started several of, of these different um, angel networks. So that's one approach. Um, how do you go about finding investors? So I, I have this great idea. I think there's a market for it. I, I start, you know, I get, I put in some of my money, I get friends to invest some money. We start to put out a, 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 a basic product to, to test it out and get uh, consumer input. We start to do all those things that you were describing. Um, how do we actually go out and find them? Uh, that's something I've, I've seen people be very frustrated with. Right. So angel investors are often in angel groups. That's one way to do it. That's pretty straightforward. You just need to start with your network and start seeing who knows somebody in an angel group or is an angel investor or would be open to an angel investment. And you just start circling out from there. One of the techniques I've seen that I always coach startups to do is most startups, at least good ones, do fairly deep dive research into their area whether it be healthcare, fintech, or otherwise. And I say, well, if you want to build a, a network of investors, take your research, package it up into a very professional-looking 25-slide set, and offer that to everybody you know. Love to meet you in the coffee shop or on Zoom and walk you through my latest research in the payments sector of fintech because that's where you're working. And those who are expressing interest in that, I want to hear your research and so forth. Come on in and you do a half hour walkthrough of the slides, explain what you're seeing out there. What are the up and coming companies? What are the new business models? What are the current trends? What are the regulatory challenges? What are the key questions to ask these companies? Because you, you figured those things out. Investors love to be educated about sectors. There's over 200 sectors out there. A broad-based investor needs to know, and it's very hard to keep up. It's too many things moving at once. If you're there giving them the deep dive on a one or two sectors, they're signing up for that because that very much helps them do it in a very time-efficient format, and then go out and start educating people on this industry segment. The beauty of that is, is at the end of that process, you say, I'm building a company in this, or later come back and say, I'm building a company in this segment. They're already up on the, the key issues in your industry. Most angels are generalists. They're not necessarily educated on your sector or business. And so you have to get them up that curve at some point. Why not do that up front in a little bit more of a broad-based uh, a way to get a group of people up and then go back and start to work from that, from that angle? Yeah, I'm curious too. So you've talked about doing your research and and having a the minimal viable product and and just really making sure that you've talked to customers, doing your homework, um, putting together a professional slide deck and report. All these things super important. Um, I'm also curious though because I hear stories. I've never actually experienced this myself, but I hear stories of certain sectors where money just flows like honey, you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, HR tech, for example, that's that's an area where uh, there there have been times where you know you got you got an idea and you go pitch it, and man, there's there's money coming out of the woodworks because everyone wants to get on that train, even if you haven't really done a whole lot of the legwork. Uh, so I'm wondering what your experience has been you know, with different types of, of uh, sectors and industries and how, what the different experiences might be for, uh, for startups and uh, trying to, to find investors. 
Well, there's two answers to that question. The first is you do want to be part of a hot sector industry. Yeah. You want to attach to that. And in today's world, blockchain, AI, healthcare, certain elements in fintech and others are very hot. And you want to be a part of that in some way because that rising tide is going to lift all boats and you want to be in there as well. So you want to position yourself as relevant to that. The other is when you hear these groups that raise funding, what I often find is these are third or second, third or fourth time serial entrepreneurs, and they're going back to people they already know. And they, they've already been built a relationship with them. They've already proven their track record. And so all they really have to do is just give them the deal terms and, or the current deal that they're working on. And then the money flows in that case. So if you get to that level with it, then you'll find out that, yeah, some of that money flows more quickly, but They've got a track record. They built a relationship, and you have to do that as well. And so first-time entrepreneurs do have that challenge. You have to prove yourself at some level. Proving yourself always is so important. And if, if it happens, if your rising tide lifts all ships, you happen to be in an industry that's a hot sector, hot industry, uh, and and you get the 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 money a little bit easier, all the better, right? But uh, make sure that you're um, that you're doing your homework putting all, getting all your ducks in a row, um, building that, those relationships, building the trust and the confidence um, that investors will have uh, in you and, and your ideas moving forward. What do you think some of the biggest mistakes are that startups make when they're pitching investors? Um. One of the mistakes is they they only talk about the future. They never talk about what they're currently doing now. And you really need to demonstrate the growth story, not just predict it. And by that, I mean, you need to come in showing how today we are generating revenue, we're closing sales, we're building product, not tomorrow we're going to do that maybe. <clears throat> and so you have to more you know, focus approach. And the, the second thing that kind of goes with that to an investor empty-handed. If it's just an idea and nothing things, talking to customers, building product, getting interest from them, building teams, uh, gathering competitive advantage and IP and value props together for the investor to grab on to. So all of those things really, some people think that, you know, they can go raise 500K and you're, you know, pay you to go do all of of that, but that that's pretty rare. Most 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 investors are not doing that. They're expecting you to bring some of your own money and have some of your own skin in the game. And one thing to do is, if you plan to put money in the business, take it out of your pocket, put it into a company bank account, and then spend that down and say, "I invested this money into my business." And if you have you know fifty hundred k in there. That shows skin in the game, and you're not just doing the OPM, other people's money thing, and it helps, you know, close the investor. Yeah, good. And I'm wondering also, you know, you hear about the different stages of funding uh, and not being, you know, a real expert in this space. Maybe you could describe that for us a little bit. Now, when you're when you're just brand new and you have your founding team, that's one thing, but you, then you, you have multiple stages of getting new rounds of funding and that allows you to scale and grow. And if we're looking at it from a people management perspective and just the complexities of organizations growing over time, it's one thing when you have, you know, a founding team of three to five people, it's something else entirely. Once you start to have dozens of employees or hundreds of employees, mm. um, walk us through 
what those different rounds of funding are and how our approach might be a little bit different as we're going through those different rounds. Well, say you put your own money in, we would call that a pre-seed round. You just got enough to start building an MVP and researching the market, understanding it. And then now you're going to market, so you need seed funding. And now we're sold a few units, but now we want to expand to the rest of the area or the state. And so we need to start hiring our first salesperson and so forth. Once you have that rolling and you start to really get product market fit, you can then start thinking about a Series A round. Typically, you're in 500 to a million dollars of revenue, annual revenue going. And what you have to show is you've got what we call the repeatable, predictable business model. You put leads in at the top, you know, revenue comes out at the bottom. It's this many steps, it's this much time. And we've got everybody in place doing that at a, at a small scale. And we can then just keep turning this crank and go from 1 million up to $10 million. And then the Series B is scale. Now we're going to go from $10 million to $100 million. And so we need more than just the repeatable, predictable business model. We need to start putting bigger systems into place. Instead of having that two-person customer support center, we now need to start a call center that has 30, 40 people. And so you have to work at a higher scale, and you have to work at a, at a larger range. So the funding is different. Seeds are $500 to $1 million. Series A are $1 to $5 million raises. And Series B are typically 5 to $15 million dollar raises and you want to come in with some of those standard raises so people uh, kind of understand you're at that stage and you're looking for that money and you're doing something that is not too far out of the uh, out of the norm as we start to wrap things up uh, what would you say for the biggest takeaway i mean there's been a lot of concepts and ideas raised throughout our conversation today what would be one or two just overall pieces of advice mm -hmm. that you'd give to anyone thinking about starting their own business going through the the rounds of funding and trying to raise funds uh, to get things going start with an engaged customer rather than uh, your envisioned product uh, if you have an engaged customer you can often get money from the customer they can often do what i call the anchor client thing which is they'll pay you two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a custom version of your software that's how many SaaS companies start. You know, and digital media agency, you know, were signed up to solve a problem. They couldn't find a solution. They built one for a customer. Other people asked for it. They made a general version of it. And now they have a SaaS product out there. So always look for customers who are willing to pay for it. My rule is build it, sell it first, build it second. If you can't sell it in the first place, you don't have to go build it in the second place. And look for people that will pay you uh, custom or anchor prices and get three of them. And that, that's enough money usually to build out a very good basic first version platform of your recurring revenue software business. So I'm always looking to sell it, see who, who's engaging first. And then from there, we'll figure out how to manage that process. Do we need to hire people? Can we contract or whatever? We'll figure out how to build it once we figure out, once we can sell it. So that that's my rule is customers always come first. And every time you talk to an investor, you bring up the customer. You never show up to the customer to the investor without some customer interaction having gone on in the past. And every time you go to an investor, you need to have something new. Can't just keep showing up saying, here I am again, still looking for money. No, I've got new information for you. We've had this new sale. We've had this new product. You know, something's happening in the business and we're driving it. We focus on sales team, product, and fundraise because those are things you the, the, the startup is focused on and working on. 
you know, after the first pitch, investors really don't care what happens in the market or what the competition did. They really care about what you do. So be very mindful that you're bringing that that story to the investor on a regular basis. Yeah. And I would just add, in addition to the customer, the hyper customer focus, it just needs to be there. Um, I like to zoom out just a little bit from that and just think about things from a people centric perspective. So customer, of course, is king. So customer number one, but also thinking about your team, thinking about the other people involved in this endeavor uh, and think about the the advisors and the team and the mentors, the people that you have around you, because investors are going to want to see a strong team as well. Uh, and that's going to really help you um, build confidence and build those relationships over time as you go throughout the various <laughs> stages of, of, of fundraising for the business. Well, Hall, this has just been a great conversation, a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. Hopefully it's been a helpful conversation uh, for all of my audience. Before we wrap things up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Great. Yeah. So you can reach me at 10capital.group, our website. That's 10 to E-N capital dot G-R-O-U-P. There's no dot com on that. The dot coms were taken up years ago. So I went with a dot group. I wanted 10 because it was Texas Entrepreneurs Network uh, shortened. And so we, it worked for us. And so just, just reach out to me on that website. And I'll be glad to answer any questions you guys have. If you're raising funding or if you're trying to make an investment, we always help both sides come together. We also help micro VC funds find access to limited partners. And we help angel groups find members. And we help syndicates find members as well. We're all about capital formation up and down the stack, not just with the early stage startups. And happy to help anybody in those directions because I'm a, at nature, believe in entrepreneurship and innovation is what solves problems at the end of the day. And so that's why I support that. And so looking forward to working with anybody that needs help. I did this in Austin since 2001, and uh, now they're kind of at a, a, a greater place. And I'm actually reaching out to work with other communities as well to help build them up as well. So looking forward to connecting with anybody in the space. Wonderful. Thank you, Hal. It has just been a real pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Hal and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.